Hello and welcome back to the Soundworks Collection podcast series. This is Michael Coleman, and in this episode, we return to another panel from the fourth annual Mix Magazine Presents Sound for Film and TV. Uh, this is an all-day conference spotlighting the techniques and technologies behind sound for picture from production to playback. And in this panel, we explore music and sound design in theatrical trailers and TV spots. Now, music and sound design play a central role in the marketing of movies and TV shows. They set the tone, drive the story, and engage the audience in ways that are unique to the advertising genre. The audio we hear in advertising is often specifically made for it, and it's not typically sourced from the corresponding production or soundtrack. In this panel, comprised of professionals at the top of their fields, they will discuss the unique creative and logistical demands encountered in this important industry niche. This panel is moderated by Avid Pro Audio Sound Specialist Ozzy Sutherland and features Jez Collin, President of High Finesse Music and Sound, Josh Fieldstraw, Composer, Music Producer and Sound Designer, Joseph Bauer, Composer, Music Producer, Sound Designer, Sarab Nafisi, Executive Director of Music and Legal at Warner Brothers Pictures, and Heather Kramer, Director of Music for Create Advertising. I hope you enjoy. So welcome to the final Avid Demo here in the Cary Grant Theater. It's been a fun day for myself and my colleagues. And this one is a little bit different. So it's all about trailers. Everybody like trailers? Do trailers make you go watch movies? Are trailers a great marketing tool? And let's begin. So let's start from the beginning here. It's Jez Collin. What's up, Ozzy? My good buddy who helped put together this panel. And uh, let's introduce everyone here. I'll let you introduce everybody. Okay. Um, you are Jez Collin. <laughs> my name is Jez Collin, and um, I run a company called High Finesse Music and Sound. And we make music and sound design for trailers. We've been around for about 10 years. And this is one of the ones that we uh, contributed our music towards. It starts off with a piece of music by Joe Bauer, who's on my right here. And Joe, I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Joseph Bauer. Um, been with the company since the very beginning. And you uh, just scared the crap out of everybody. And I scared everyone. Actually, yep. you know what the funny thing is, is? It's really just more the opening cue, some sound design on the back end. But the opening cue was kind of the, the main thing from our contribution. It was kind of an emotional, evocative thing that we were surprised how it was used, actually. So it turned out pretty cool. Uh, I'm Sorab Nafisi. I'm uh, head of uh, music clearances at Warner Brothers Pictures Theatrical Marketing. So you're important. I <laughs> I owe them money. Ah, okay, <laughs> all right. There we go. Cool. <laughs> Hi, I'm Heather Kramer. I'm the director of music at Create Advertising. We make film trailers, video game trailers, TV promos, all sorts of marketing for entertainment. I'm Josh Fielstra. I'm a composer and sound designer, and uh, I also do a lot of things uh, for Jez here. A lot uh, of things for Jez. That's, a lot of things for Jez. Yes, many, much, many, much sound design uh, and the like. And I'm sure that Sarab has given me money at some point. Cool. All right. So a little more about High Finesse. Tell us about it, because I think one thing that we get a lot of questions about. Everybody comes. You know, you find out about sound design and film and television and Everybody kind of forgets about the trailers, that they're a whole different process all by itself compared to doing a TV show, film. And they're, they're part of it, too, in a lot of um, aspects. Yeah, it's, it's definitely somewhat of a mysterious art form and, and a niche end of the market in terms of, of uh, com where composers land. Um, a lot of people assume that the music, from my experience anyway, when I tell people I, I make trailer music, they're like, oh, I thought that came from the movie. And, um, I would say 99.9% .9 of the music 
is not from the movie. It's very rare that that happens. Uh, sometimes you'll get a theme incorporated and weaved into one of these pieces of music. Um, but most of the time, it's made by people like us. And uh, yeah, we, um, we put together music kind of in the dark most of the time. Uh, sometimes it's scored to a specific brief, but we kind of put music albums together and send them out to the studios and the trailer companies like Heather works for and hope for the best, really. Um, so it's, it's something that a lot of people don't understand, and, and, uh, and, but it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's quite an enjoyable thing to do. We've, we've all, uh, I think, had the most fun doing this as <laughs> in our musical careers. Um, and yeah. That's cool. Cool. Um, so question for basically the composers here. Since you don't work with, I mean, at the, in, the, in essence, you're getting all this way before the movie's even like, you know, going to be put out. It's not going to be out there yet. You're essentially selling the movie for the company in essence, right? So how do you, how do you, one, get inspiration to do this? And two, how do you also, like, you know, how do you work with, uh, you know, the director or whoever? Do you work with the director? Do you talk to them at all about this? Or do you just, I have yet you're to in the meet, dark? I have yet to meet a director. There you go. I've never met a showrunner, never met a showrunner, producer. This is the no shit everyone the wants to know right now, right? Yeah. It's like, so ex explain that process for you guys the, for when you, when you have to put together the music for these trailers. Well, I'm going to use it as an example because it's kind of a strange one. Um, in that case, the cue they used at the beginning we had done as a, a collection of sort of more emotional um, cues that got very big and epic. And But the beginning, we kind of think of them in three-act structures. And the first act of that cue was kind of evocative, emotional, kind of setting the tone. And to see it used in a horror film was not our expectations at all. But I thought it worked really well. Um, so in that case, we don't have a lot of involvement. It's more about creating music that can fit certain emotions at certain times. So when you're sitting there writing, you're thinking, you know, what's the, what's the key emotion here? How can I tell that as simply and quickly as possible? Because a lot of times, you you know, that cues, they probably use, what, 25, 30 seconds of it, if that. So you got to make a quick entrance and, and let your mark be known and let the movie's tone be known right away. So, so that's an interesting point that actually during our first session in the Game of Thrones session, Paula Fairfield was talking about how she designs all the dragons, and then all that shit gets shot down sometimes, right? So do you go through a process of you make a cue, you, you feel all this stuff, you do it, and do you feel that same, they shot my cue down somehow, when they cut it together? Or are you just happy that they used a part of it at least? Um, That's some bold You stuff know what's right? actually interesting in trailer music tends to be mixed louder almost than movie, like feature film uh, scores to me a lot of times. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's the, the purpose of a trailer or advertising in general is to get someone's attention. And so the, the music and the, especially the sound design as well is all designed to get an emotional reaction from the, the viewer and the listener very quickly. Um, there's not a lot of time for a long arc and a big buildup. I mean, you've got a very compressed amount of time to sell the idea. And so when you were asking, you know, how do you how do you get inspiration you know if you if you don't have picture you're not working from picture and a lot of that inspiration comes from the fact of okay here's this very compressed time format how can i win these people over quickly and a lot of that certainly certainly goes into it but there's also a lot of you know there's some taste making i mean we, of course we looked at jez um, as kind of being he gives you some taste he gives he no. gives us some taste yeah <laughs> and without him I, I mean i'm completely tasteless so <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, that, that, there's a lot goes into that. I mean, we kind of we kind of look at other trailers and kind of what's popular and try and ride just above that crest in terms of of the tastes that are out there right now. And that that's a big that's a big thing too. I mean, it's it's a lot like writing a pop song. I mean, you can't expect to stick a pop song on the radio that isn't right here, right now. You know, that's like right on that cutting edge of of sound. It's very similar with the trailer music. Just to give a little more context to that, are you going to pay them? <laughs> Just making sure. At some point, I'm going to leave through that. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you're dealing with, that was the first trailer we put out for IT. Um, it is a known IP. Um, but to people who don't know it or people who are trying to judge whether or not they want to be on board with this iteration, you know, that first cue, it, uh, it's playing over a scene to make it look like, you know, it's a very tranquil town, but there's a little bit of ominous uh, undertones to it. That's a very famous scene from the first adaptation and also from the book. As soon as the kid hits his head, it ends. And then you start to go into the very uh, horror-specific sound design. Sometimes we use, in that scene, we use, uh, in that trailer, we use actual Christoph Penderecki. We use a, a production music company that specializes in making really discordant violins and, and Penderecki-like cues. And then by the end of the trailer, you can see how the music editor is manipulating the carousel changing to uh, actually score the different cuts of the film. So you, long after the, where, you're, where you're seeing the kids in the garage with the carousel, you're still hearing the carousel move. And that's, that's underscoring all the different shot changes. Cool. Some cool stuff. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff and a lot of things that go behind all the stuff. So let's, I mean, we don't have to move. You guys stay. It's not in seven one or Atmos, so we're not going to blow everybody out of the water. But um, let's play something I think that's actually pretty interesting. And Jez and I were and we were over there with him. Was it yesterday? Okay, it was two days ago. Uh, and we had a good laugh at this. Uh, Carol, your enthusiasm, Jeff. Let's play that at like eighty. It's pretty cool. Curb your enthusiasm. I I, I missed that show. Uh, so who did that? You did that. Explain it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> How did you? Heather said she knew it was going to be me. It was. It's got to be you. Well, unless Heather, you want to do it? No. No, no, no. Oh, she was okay. saying she knew that I was I the composer. Okay. Oh, she's like, as soon as you heard the cue, okay, got it. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, everything we just told you about how what goes into this up to this point was totally wrong because that one we actually did score. Calling you out, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's a rare it's a rare thing. I mean, in that case, um, there was sort of the unique situation that Larry David, who's executive producer, kind of knew what he wanted to do, and so he started working with an ad, ad agency and who who called us and said, "We've got this concept." And in that case, all we had was we didn't have any picture. We had a storyboard. And that it, it played into kind of a joke. You see what the joke is. We, they said we we wanted to start out kind of like a Marvel or DC kind of superhero m movie style, and then just flip it at the last second. Um, so in that case, um, we wrote something that you know sounds kind of like the big heavy duty Dark Knight stuff, but it's actually the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme. If you know that theme, dun, 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 and that's what that the orchestral part is doing. But it's really heavy. It's like burn, burn, burn. And so we got a brief on that, and they kind of they said to us, we, we want to marvelize it somehow, but we don't really know what to do. And so we just started putting some stuff together and sent it to them. And then this in this case, we actually did work directly um, with the idea, but not with HBO. 
So again, here you directly go. Directly with Larry. We, we, no, well, no, we well, didn't work directly with Larry. We worked with the ad agency. I was trying to add some that AP, <laughs> you know, But, but I, I can tell you that he he did apparently laugh out loud when he heard this. That was that was the note that was passed That's onto us. And they played it on set yeah. when they were shooting it and, and, cool. and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's you're working directly with an ad agency and sort of massaging them. And then the ad agency is making the studio or the network or whomever happy in what they put together for the for the trailer. So, but it's yeah, it's th this is something that can only live in the advertising world. That's why doing this kind of stuff is, you know, exciting sometimes because you can do these little jokes like that. You know, you don't have to build this massive idea out over two hours or whatever. This this kind of, you know, fun little joke can live very happily in like a thirty second thirty second spot. So it's one of the cool parts of ads. Cool, very cool. We're gonna play another one for everyone here. This is what we get to do at the end of the day. We just get to play shit. It's cool. It's fun. Um, let's do Justice League, Jeff. Okay. So, who did that one? John Lennon. <laughs> yes, he did. So there's. It's an interesting one. It's super long. There's like three different pieces of music in there. Uh, clearly, two, three. Yeah. There's the uh, the. There's some Man of Steel stuff together. at the end, man. Well, that's that's an interesting story. We'll get yep. into that in a second. Yeah. So, how does that work? Like, you know, when do they approach you to help remix the track? I mean, actually, Sarah, do you want to speak to the opening or to this as a concept? Because you got com it's come together yeah, in the beginning. Come of that. together, which we used in a previous trailer, and so, um, you know, the studio does a deal with uh, the Beatles publisher, um, and uh, we got permission to make our own version with Gary Clark Jr. with Junkie XL. And, uh, you know, it's a great partnership. And the first time you hear it is in uh, the previous trailer. You hear a slightly different version in this trailer. And you'll hear a different version uh, that's released by Gary Clark Jr. And possibly a different version that's actually in the film itself. So it's like everything is very, very specific and custom tailored to the intended use. Which makes your life complicated. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the Beatles are... Um, are their own separate thing and um, set of procedures and complications and ways you have to deal with them. But once they're on board, they're on board. Um, and, uh, you know, after that, you know, we have the song playing in, in the trailer and then we have a lot of other pieces in there that you also mentioned reference previous musical themes and Jess can speak to that. Actually, I was going to pass it over to Joe. This, oh, this wow. is actually another one, an unusual one in that we were given a brief by the ad agency um, who had a concept in terms of just a general musical approach, which is a big superhero theme, but they also wanted to incorporate a Man of Steel theme in there because I think they were revealing for the first time that uh, Batman was gonna be, sorry, Superman <laughs> was gonna be part of the team. Um, I, I thought he's dead. Was, was that the reveal or was I it? <laughs> I thought he was dead. Any, anyway, so, so Angry Ben, we, you know, we, were, we were tasked with weaving an, a pre-existing theme into an original piece of music. And Joe He's took in on the, the job. Block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one. Um, yeah, the pitch was basically, can we take the Man of Steel theme, which I think most people remember more the piano, kind of the emotional side, but it has that kind of, from that original trailer for, for Man of Steel, had that great back end with the, the drum circle and all this stuff. But I think they want to do something a little different with it and kind of almost surprise you with it by the time it shows up, but, but kind of be prepared for it. In a it's, it's a lot of back and forth because what will happen is um, uh, the music supervisor and the producer at the trailer house will have an idea, and they'll discuss it with the creative executive at the client, which is Warner Brothers, and they'll 
they'll, they'll ideate and they'll go back and forth. And then they'll call me and they say, we want to do this with this song, or we want to do this with this score theme. And I'll say, yes, you can do that. No, you can't do that. You can do it with these guidelines. And then they take those guidelines and they start to go out to high finesses of the world and start to create. And then it's a very iterative process. So it's sort of like, it's never, it's, it's, it usually doesn't end when, end well when they go off and do something and then they hand it back and you're like, you mashed up the Beatles with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with, not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, so it's, it's a very collaborative process. Uh, I don't do any creative work, but I just give them guidelines so that what they do is doable. Cool. But, but in a lot of instances, it's, it's, to be clear, it's from a composer and sound designer perspective, you're working with an ad agency. The ad, ag ad agency is the one that's interfacing with the client, which is the studio or the network or whatever it is. So from you know, a composer, sound designer perspective, you're, you're kind of going blind in a lot of cases. And then there's, there's two layers to that situation. You know, like I'm meeting Srab for the first time today. You know, is um, this for real? Yeah. Yeah. You guys should hug. <laughs> <laughs> or did you hug already? It's all good? All right, we'll leave that for another time. Yeah, that's, that's, so you've, you've yeah. never met him until today. That's correct. I bring yeah. people together, come together. That's right, that stuff, man. It's like that. That's how we do it, man. Yep. The feels of Avid. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna write a trailer right now. Let's do it. We're gonna take all the footage from today. No, it's cool. That's all. That's all. Yeah. So, so it's it's interesting. I mean, because you know, I mean, Joe was working a lot with the ad agency, and, and Heather can talk about kind of the role of of ad agencies. But that's that's what we're doing. But it, both in the case of both the curb thing. And the Justice League thing—that's kind of a rarity for us to to get that kind of brief. A lot of times, we're writing music completely blind, that the ad agency is then sort of inserting into a trailer, and then maybe we'll customize it a little bit. But that's that's how a lot of it is. I mean, and if you're an aspiring composer for this kind of music, that's that's the main thing is that you you learn to kind of write with with no no picture or anything. Right. Yeah. Right. So Heather, I'm tired of talking to them, so <laughs> I'd like to talk to you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement and what the ad agency is tasked with and how you wrangle this all together? Sure. So we'll start with like Sarab's company or other companies will come to us. And often it's when a film like this is still at storyboard stage. So we might not even have picture when I start reaching out to people. Sometimes we'll just go read the script or we have first looks. Um, footage will start coming in and, you know, we're a whole company, so we have copywriters, creative directors, a whole music team. We'll sit together and start figuring out, like, what do we want to do here? What do we hear? We all throw ideas out. So we'll probably come up with preliminary music ideas, what the sound is to us before we meet again with the client. Um, but then again, the client like, will decide, really, like, no, we don't want it to sound like this at all, or I want a song, or I'm going to want a cover, or I hear this is more of an epic thing, and then we go back, we present loads and loads of options. We're working on a Marvel trailer right now, just to tell you how many options we present, and we have worked with composers. We're up to 260 folders of music we've what? gone through. Yeah, I'm not doing this. And they'll have that's three not unusual. Then they'll have three or four trailer houses working in parallel. Yeah, right. And they probably also have yeah, pulled tell us that. 260 <laughs> folders of music. But once we, you know, maybe I don't ask them to compose right away until we at least go. Okay, I kind of like this temp score. We like the sound, or we know we might be able to 
sell this song. To the, if the client likes it, maybe we can customize this song. But it's it's a long, ongoing process. And yeah, they don't see picture. Maybe they can come in the office once we have picture. But very often, we're cutting to the storyboards, and then they're sending us shots when we get closer to finishing. It, it's a long, long process. And like Sarab said, there are four or five of us working on that same trailer. So it's kind of a miracle when something finishes. And I can yeah, see you compete with with people directly. You don't even know who you're competing. We don't even know sometimes. who we're competing with, and often we're given different, also different instructions, like different directions, so they can see what is going to appeal to audiences. Because once we create these trailers, then they go out to testing, they go to focus groups, then we get feedback. Often the first thing that changes is the music. Almost always, it's the music, and we'll go on and on until it tests well and. And we all want to finish that trailer. And I can see in the case of this, you got so lucky to compose with Come Together because the studio had already committed to that. You, you know, Sir Robin already licensed that song for the entire campaign. So it makes sense why you'd keep working with it. I mean, that is one uh, thing to point out. It, if it's not obvious, you know, the key difference between licensing for an in-program use, whether it's in a movie or a television episode, is you're clearing for that one particular scene, and it's used that one time in a very specific way, or if you clear it multiple times, it's used, each iteration is spelled out. Whereas what we're doing, we're licensing for a whole campaign. So you'll, the first time you'll see Come Together used in a trailer, it was, I don't know, March or April or something like that. We throw it into a bin, and then people can cut with it and cut with it and do more stuff with it. So we're amassing towards the end of the campaign sometimes dozens of songs and several hundred individual pieces of sound design and production music that we can then use throughout our campaign. Cool. Yeah. So sound design. We Did use so much sound design. Uh, yep. We, <laughs> we, we like sound design. So were you involved in this Insidious, Too much. Insidious 4 thing? Did I work on this one? I don't think so. No? No, I think it was Buddha Jones. Was I don't think okay. this one was Okay, forget me. it. Not your company. Um, you so, can still show it. Uh, I still could talk about sound design. We can still talk about sound design. <laughs> so, want to play... Let's play Insidious can, 4. Can I say something before we roll this? No. Just to give it some Go context. Ahead. Go ahead. Go right ahead. No, this is, this is an interesting one uh, because there's no music in it. Not, not, not that any of us would normally define as music. There is a cue that kind of uh, sets the pace in the second half that Joe made. Um, that's a sound design based music cue, although it's, it's more rhythmic. It doesn't have anything that tonal in it, but it's a very significant moment in the trailer. And it sets the tone for the whole back half of the trailer and all the other sound design that the editor cut into this is stacked on top of it. And that's actually something, while we're on the subject of sound design, that's worth noting. We, we make sound design and we provide sound design. Um, and once in a while we'll get tasked with coming up with specific signature sounds for the campaigns that we're working on. But the, the real hero of the sound design in terms of utilizing it and placing it is the editor himself which is or herself, which is rare, I think, in, in any other genre, in any other audiovisual genre, um, where you'll have a whole team of sound designers cutting sound design on the, on the side, like the guys you just saw in the last panel. Uh, so it's, it's a different process. And um, yeah, the unsung heroes of the sound design and trailers are the editors who have an, an immense amount of skill in cutting together music and sound design in a very symbiotic way and choosing the elements that, that are going to really have a big impact. Um, I just want to add, and they have to, because we don't have music editors in trailers. The editor does it all, unlike in a film. He has to do every little thing and mix that before it goes out, too. And, and there's no time and there's no assets. The, the film isn't done. There's no production yeah. sound. There's no, there's no mixing. There's no music. There's nothing. The, the editor at the ad agency, the trailer editor, is basically pulling 
um, assets that are either pre-made or custom for that that have nothing to do with the feature itself. Yeah, so it's interesting. And in this trailer that we're about to watch, apart from the long queue of Joe's, which probably lasts for about 30 seconds, um, I think 20 or 30 of our sound design elements were licensed for this. And we've got a few of them lined up underneath if we want to look at some of them afterwards, if, if anyone's interested in the sound design part of this. You're trying, we're just trying to mess up everyone's day for the rest of the day. Just, I'm going to go home and just, ah, just, you know, jump out of my skin. I, I love stuff like that, though. But so you did that. Just part of it. Just I mean, part of like, it. Like they're saying, there's so much sound design that gets pulled. Some of it custom, some not. I don't know about that particular project. But yeah, you're, you're correct in the sense that there's really, it's all sound design. Yeah, so. there's the thing he's talking about is kind of that pulsing, uh -huh. kind of filtered. Can you... Touch on that for everybody in the crowd a bit more, like this aspect of it. It's, it's not just composing, it's, it's sound design from your company. Yeah, um, I mean, as you can tell, sound design uh, plays an incredibly important role in, in uh, trailers and TV spots. It's, it's a whole different dynamic to uh, sound design that's created for movies. It's much more explosive. It's, um, it's very emotionally directive. Um, and... It's often, you know, occupies. I think in, in traders like this, it's where there is no music. It's it's the most important aspect and drives the emotion and, and helps picture incredibly. If you'd have watched that without any sound design, it would just feel empty and weak. Obviously, it would have scared the crap out of me anyway. <laughs> That's like, but, but yeah. But Joe, Joe, when I met Joe, you were scoring horror movies, ironically, uh, and and you, you've done a few of them. And I think this is a really strong genre for you. Not only are you doing the big superhero things, um, but you you. You're incredibly, you're nailing it with this sort of stuff. Oh, thank you. <laughs> He's so nice to you. Yeah, what is that? I don't know why. Do you know him? <laughs> Not really. You didn't meet him for the first time? Like we yeah. met in a dungeon. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> cool. So I want to open it up for some questions from the crowd, obviously, because uh, these are interactive panels. So does anyone have a question? I'll bring you the mic, and you can ask away. Hey, I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, you say that uh, when you don't get a lot of, uh, you don't have the video yet before you, you start working on it, but if there's something that's specific, like a specific monster or something, how do you tackle or handle that? You know, a specific sound to a specific character. Well, Heather calls and says, you guys got to come in, we're doing this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I have occasionally acted out the monster. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's, it, it relies a lot on on people like Heather, music supervisors and editors to describe sort of what they're up against. I mean, especially if you use the case of a monster, if that's visual effects, those visual effects are so far away from being done. I mean, sometimes we'll go, if, when, if we do get to see picture, there's tons of green screen shots, there's blackouts because they don't have the footage yet. You know, there's, there's Batman standing in front of this green screen, you know, mumbling because they don't have the production sound <laughs> mixed yet, you know? So it, re it relies a lot on, on getting a good brief from the studio or um, the studio or network, talking to the ad agency, the ad agency having a good brief with the client and then passing that information on. You know, there's a lot of just conversations. Sometimes they'll they'll refer to existing things, which well, it should sound a lot like this thing over here, but not so much that, but it's, it's deeply subjective. Um, and interestingly enough, using the example of the monster, it might be that the monster sound in the trailer is totally different than the one that ends up uh, in the feature because, again, you don't have those, those assets yet, so. Hi, uh, one quick question. Uh, the, the trailer kind of a structure has been kind of the, the same for a bit. Do you see kind of the, the, the three acts uh, moving forward? Uh, it's kind of for the panel itself. Where, where do you see kind of the, the trailer structure kind of moving? I don't, 
I don't think they're going away. If anything, they've tried to slap on a little miniature fourth act at the end now, but the structure it isn't changing. It depends changing. on the film and it depends on the trailer. Absolutely. I mean, something like, I think It, we had technically three trailers. For something like a Justice League or a Suicide Squad, we'll have seven. Right, and something and, like and a, we'll, a... Especially with the international versions and those and Justice League, it's such a big franchise, you're not gonna go come up with a new trailer format. Whereas you might be able to be a little more creative with a tiny indie film or like a horror film. But yeah, we always think of it in terms of the three act structure as well. I'm just curious how it works with sound design. And um, for example, when you, do you give the editors a bin of all the material to pull from and then they use that? Um, to cut from, or do they? I'm just kind of curious why. Um, what's the option or the benefit of bringing on a company like High Finesse, or if an editor had their own library, would what would keep them from using that? Or I'm just not. I'm just curious how the structure, how it's structured. I'd say the music directors at each of these companies, we take care of the music server and what the editors have access to. We can't allow our editors to just bring in whatever they want in their bins because God only knows where it came from. They probably mixed it down from an old trailer. We don't want the responsibility for licensing. I'm sure Sarab agrees with that. I have very strict <laughs> rules at Create and they're allowed to use what we give them, what comes off a very approved server. Um, my editors love high finesse sound design because it works. It finishes in, prod in projects, it sounds good, it's unique. Um, there are certain people I might go to for other sounds, but yeah, we give the editors as many options as they could possibly want, which will include your library, maybe some other libraries. We keep a huge server filled with production library music, an entire section just for sound design, another section for sound effects. And then, like, I like to go to them to customize stuff because I know it works. Um, but yeah, the editors, we feed them stuff. Maybe yeah. at this point they have relationships with editors who might say, like, you have to come in Monday and look at something for me because I can't quite describe. I need seven windstorms happening at one moment with metal. <laughs> he needs to see it. Editors will go with what they know, and they're under yes. very tight deadlines. So, like, the particular editor at her shop is going to reach for a certain group of catalogs. The editor at a different trailer house will do something else. The editor at another and another. And when you have three or four trailer houses cutting for trailers, and then that grows to five or six for television, uh, that's when I start to have a stroke because what a campaign that would normally have maybe 30, 40, 70, 80 cues suffice for everyone to cut with is turning into three, four, 500 because all these trailer houses are finishing simultaneously. And I'm trying to do my best to like send these particular bins to everyone, say, no, cut with this, cut with this, cut with this. Yeah, cut off, no more, give no us more. The cleared music. <laughs> and so we'll tell the editors, like, we're to the point where you need to cut with this, but as an editor working so quickly, like, yeah, they go to what they know, what we give them access to that they know and like. Yeah, there's also the, the use the word finishing earlier, because you have ad agencies competing with each other, if a particular ad agency does really well on a particular campaign and makes Rob really happy, and it had a lot of sound design from X catalog in it, chances are they're going to go back to that one for that same type of thing for another gig, because they know that it was signed off all the way up the chain and it did really well for them. So they'll tend to reach from the same places if they've done well on one thing. I think in general they want something custom. They don't always want 
stuff they've heard in other trailers. I was a little surprised by that when we first got started on it. You'd think, well, I mean, how many times do you need to hear someone getting stabbed? How many times are, how many different sounds do we need for that? But I think it's some, you know, the editors get tired of hearing it. I think everything wants to feel special and new. And that was a part of the industry I wasn't really aware of that is actually really interesting. And you can really make some cool sounds like, I mean, that Insidious trailer really does some weird stuff you would never think of doing sound effect wise. Because we often look for the signature sound for each new franchise or each new trailer as well. And it's great if someone can make it for us so no one else has access to it because we are all competing. Sure. I mean, in this instance, with the um, uh, with Insid Insidious, this there are some cues that we have in there where Jez said, hey, let's make some horror stuff. Let's make it cutting edge and awesome. And, you know, uh, I've got a lot of cues in here that I did totally blind, but I'm like, this is interesting. This is new. Nobody has that. You know, Joe does the same thing where it's like, well, what kind of what can I do sound design wise? Um, and it's a situation where they do the trailer and it's like, oh, I, the stuff that I that I made not knowing where it was going to end up is now in this trailer because of that signature factor. You know, you're thinking like, you know, everybody's got, you know, Joe was saying like, do I really need another stab sound? Well, no, but what about a stab sound that sounds like this? <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of that goes on. Just a question for the composers. I'm wondering how specialized it, we understand you do a lot of the trailer work, but are you also scoring feature films and television, or is it so specialized that this is uh, primarily what you um, do? I, I do do features as well, and I've done a couple TV things. It, the, the trailer work is basically, you know, as much as you can put into it, really, because there's always demand, there's always um, material that they need. So it is a tough balance to know how much to put into that versus working on features and stuff. It is a very different subset. I think, like we talked about at the beginning, that the music and these trailers have to make such an impact, not just, you know, being big and epic, it's also emotional um, just immediately. So whereas in a film score, you know, you can be little more subtle um, and uh, yeah I mean it's a totally different subset that I like to kind of do both different things I don't know about you Josh yeah I do um, I do a lot of trailer stuff but um, I also do other things because it I mean exactly what Joe said you know it's very it, it, it is so specialized that at some point you know if you're I'm a composer but I'm also a musician I, I do musical theater and I play around town and I do live stuff and things like that um, but the uh, the tool set is very useful once you have it because if there's one commonality to writing the music from a composer perspective for advertising, it's that everything moves very fast. You got one, you got one shot. There, there's not, there's not a lot of back and forth. You know, you don't, you don't sit down with a, a director or a producer months out to talk about this concept. You know, I mean, Jez will call me for something they literally need the next morning. You know, Joe does a lot of that too. You know, there's a lot of same day turnarounds for things. You know, a sound design. Sometimes music bits. We did a thing uh, last week where they wanted like 25 seconds of music. That was that was a same day thing, you know. So that's a skill set as a composer that once you're able to do that, um, you can take that other places. I mean, there's no there's no equivalent for that in the in the film world. The same day turnaround for a cue. So yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of unique skill sets. And mixing as well. You guys do your own mixing, which is something yeah. that's very different to in a lot of you know the other genres. Is yeah, totally. You can pass it off to a mixer, and it'll get mixed on a stage. Now you guys need to nail the mix, and it has to be top quality as well. So we had to really up our game on that. I mean, yeah. I know I can that help Joe you. And I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's mix and master. I mean, it has to sound. It, it gets dropped in. It goes to the mix stage in the way that you send it off. It doesn't go to a separate house for 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 mastering. I and mean, we do all that stuff, you know, um, internally. So that. 
that's a that's another kind of aspect to this. Um, you know, you don't have a live orchestra that's going to get recorded and then that's going to go to a separate mix thing and all that kind of stuff. You got to do all of that. You know, so yeah, mixing for on sure. Th- on that note, um, there's two cues that you guys have here that are kind of interesting. First one we'll do is let's do the Defenders. We're, we're talking about remixes now, right? Well, hang on. I'm going <laughs> to mess you up, actually. You think okay. I'm going to ask the question, but watch this. Okay. Let's play that first. Two very different trailers. And uh, the reason why I did that, because Joe, you did Thor, right? And you did. Actually, the guy that did the Nirvana remix right. for, uh, is Marish Debris. He's not here today. Correct. Okay. So it's. The Thor music was existing, correct? Or somewhat existing? The, the first th- cue was the an first existing, existing thing, and the second was an original. So the studio, uh, well, at the agency asked you to write around that? Yeah, they had used that cue up front, this very 80s-inspired fun thing, and um, they thought, well, what if we could carry that forward into the kind of traditional uh, superhero cue that gets giant and all that stuff? Um, and that was a first that I've ever been asked, I'm sure you have, where we get to kind of do crazy 80s synths and right and the 80s synth resurgence oh, stranger yeah. things all that shit great yeah. cool now <laughs> you yeah and and maurice maurice right? maris maris, maris. Yeah. uh yeah, yeah, yeah. maurice was in the the ape forget it it's a long <laughs> day dude there's a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that's the first time nirvana's ever been remixed i believe so yeah for yeah. any type of yeah. Trailer, correct? Yeah. So how did that happen? Well, just speaking... Is this to just a, Marvel money? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, it was a lot, lot of money, I believe. <laughs> 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 I mean, there's been an interesting uh, recent trend in big studios looking for remixes for campaigns. Um, uh, Warner Brothers uh, have done a couple. We worked on a remix of The Animals um, for a Kong trailer, which was amazing, which I don't think we'll have time to show today, but we've got it up there. Um, and Josh and I worked on Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin for the previous Thor trailer to this, which I believe may have been the first time that Zeppelin got remixed as well. Heather, you, you got the Beatles into, um, into a Valerian trailer, um, which is, I think, the first time that... Yeah, yeah, which is... So this is all very recent that these bigger acts, um, and, and especially Nirvana, where they have a very specific and very tightly controlled estate that are left in charge of, of their assets. Um, haven't allowed that to happen before. So it's really exciting for us. We get to work with these huge, great big acts. And so I come from a remixer background. That's what I was for many years before I started this company. Um, so yeah, the uh, the Defenders trailer is quite unusual because it's a very, very high concept type of remix. It's really just using a guitar riff and, and the vocal. And the rest of it's really dubby and trippy and trip-hoppy. And, and personally, I didn't think that the studio was going to go for it after I, I got the guys to do this. Um, but they loved it, and it kind of yeah became a pretty significant remix. Cool, dig it. Do you have any parting advice or advice for aspiring sound designers, composers, who want to get into this aspect of the business? They want to deal with this guy and never have to meet him until today. You know, wh- what would you say to anybody out here? Okay, um, as as a as somebody who runs a company that provides opportunity for composers, and aside from these two guys here, there are probably I have a network of thirty or forty different composers that um, contribute some sound design and music. There, there are really only four or five guys that that are responsible for ninety percent of the stuff that we do, and two of them are sitting here. Um, but I think it's really important if you're interested in getting into this marketplace as a composer and as a sound designer to align yourself with a company that already has um, a reputation and, and contacts 
within the industry and don't try and go for it yourself. You won't get very far. Um, people like Heather who field calls from composers all the time. Well, you don't really. You just have to ignore them. I <laughs> don't <laughs> anymore. Yeah, I feel guilty, but now I give people the advice. Like, it's so hard to get through to us. We're, we're working all the time. It's hard to trust a new composer. Like, I'm going to go to who I know is going to give me something that makes the editor happy, the creative director happy. So, yeah, research the companies doing it or find your niche, but you definitely want someone representing that yeah, work. Definitely go through the proper channels. Work with an established company like High Finesse because people like Heather are going to work with established companies like High Finesse. And even when somebody like Heather puts a new company on a cue sheet, I put her through the ringer saying, who's this? Who's this? Why is that there? Like, who is this company? Where'd you find them? You know, like, it's, it's, it's a lot of... Don't jump the gun. Don't go straight to the editors. The music supervisors are the gatekeepers of each trailer house. You know, do everything the right way because first impressions in that industry, it's a very small community, um, and it can set you back a long way if you don't do it correctly. It's a little different from, from composing for former TV from the standpoint that composers in, in um, those media tend to be islands, you know, as the name of the person. In this In this industry, it's more which uh, company are you working with, you know, in the case of High Finesse, because there's there's just no time. You know, it, it if someone like Saurabh wants to know, if you're working with this person, what's their track record? Can they deliver things? You know, because, again, there's that, that constant time pressure. But there's also tremendous advantages, I would say, from doing this from a composer perspective. Because you're not that island, the opportunities abound. You don't have to say, you know, you're not coming up going, oh, what film have you scored, or we don't want to talk to you. It's more like, can you do the thing? And that's and that's the biggest advantage. If you if you haven't done anything big up to this point, uh, you know whatever that you can put on your your reel, it's it's a much I think easier industry to get started in if you just have the skills. People are willing to listen to you if you have the skills. You know I I got started with jazz because someone introduced him to me and I said what are you working on? He said oh I've got this rise I can't seem to crack it. You know I'm, I'm trying to get it to sound like this and I said I'll take a shot at it and I did it for him and he's like oh that sounds pretty. Do you do anything else? You know, and I just I would send him little tidbits, and then all of a sudden I was quitting my job, and I was over my head sixty hours a week. You know, so, and and that's that's kind of how it is. There's lots of opportunities if you can do the work. You know, it's more about being able to get the stuff done than it is dealing with a lot of the other political stuff. You know, that you would have to do if you were going the more kind of feature film route. So that's I mean that's a tremendously positive aspect of this of this particular niche of the business. Question: You actually have a qu there's a question. You held, held it till now. Good. Heather, quick question. You talked about signature sounds. Is that usually provided to you by the production company, or you, you're trying to find? So, how do you find the signature sounds on something that may have not been remade or something that's uh, like a one off? Like these guys. Because it'll be ever since Transformers had that <laughs> sound that then ended up in the film. Every film, what's the signature sound? Then we have the blah. So. Brahms, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we start every project. What's our signature sound? I reach out to sound designers um, to make them and send them back to us, and hopefully we fall in love with one, and that will end up all over the campaign. Yeah, but they're normally not ready to go. I don't find them in the library, or it's really our creative directors want a brand new signature sound that no one else has ever well, heard. And, and sometimes they've even pulled it from like music cue. Like that's happened to us a couple yeah, times. Yeah, we where do it's that. Some piece of music that I've had that had a breakdown, and maybe some cool sound yeah. effect came mm -hmm. in, and the music came back, and they just take the sound effect and then play right. it twenty times. I'm like, True. Great. Right. True. Yeah, from the, from the stems. 
Yeah, and it might just be this little half second we took from a glitch mom cue or something like that. Cool. Well, thank you all for attending the Avid stuff here at Sony today for the mix event. Uh, thank you.